This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. I want you to know how glad I am to be here and how glad you are to be here with us. There is a fellowship that is very, very sweet, and uh, we've been gone for five years and glad to be back. I've never been a fan of name-calling. It just doesn't build goodwill and friendships. Solomon doesn't have a clue about it when he writes in <laughs> when he writes in Proverbs, and he refers to people as a sluggard. Uh, that's probably not a term that you've used to describe any of your friends or to try to gain any kind of uh, respect for people you work with or even at, at your house. However, Solomon's not too bothered by all that. So, Here's how he starts it. Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> I have never called anybody a sluggard. I, I've called them other things. It's none of your business. But consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer, gathers its food and harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Wow, we live in wild times, you know that? And now our wise government decides that it's going to increase the debt and forgive everybody's student loan. I'm wondering about the people who are here who've paid off their student loan and whether or not you'll get reimbursed. I just wonder what frustration that has got to be in the process. We wonder about fairness. And while I've never been called a sluggard, my grandmother had another term that she used, lazy bones. <laughs> And I knew what she was talking about whenever she said that and applied it to me, and I knew that I was in trouble. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he had told them about the fact of who Jesus was, that he'd gone back to heaven and he's going to be back soon and they need to get ready for it, and so some of them just quit working. He said, Jesus is coming back. We're going home. Wait. So they went home, resigned from their jobs, went home and waited, and when they were asked about what they were doing, they were saying, well, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And they figured in the midst of all of that that somebody else should take care of them. Good grief. We've been dealt with that for the last couple of years, dealing with the Hunan virus and high unemployment and the increasing cost of living, and then you ask the question, okay, here I am as a Christian here in this circumstance, and I've been through this stuff with you in another state, and reactions and reactions, and there are multitude, and we're frustrated. 
What does the Christian vantage point about a job show up to be different than the rest of the world looks at? You ready? We're going to look at it. If you've got the outline in front of you, you can take the notes. Point one is this. Let's read this text first. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, mind your own business, to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. I have good news for you as a Christian. You get to set your personal goal with regard to your work. Oh, you've been motivated and inspired to do all that kind of thing all along the way. But he says, make it your ambition. What that really means in the original language is you're intentional. You're doing this on purpose. It's not accidental. It's not circumstantial. And when he says, I want you to be quiet, it doesn't mean lazy. It doesn't mean dull. Here's a couple of scriptures from Isaiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. Chapter 32, the work of the righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Most of the time, we think it has to be loud rather than quiet, and I'll come back to that in a minute. When Jesus talked to his disciples about how they were to look at following him, he used an illustration from farming and ranching, and he talked about oxen. Take my yoke upon you and learn for, from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. Watch this word. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus grew up in a carpenter's shop. Joseph and his carpenter's shop, along with his son Jesus, yes, I know he's God's son, his stepson Jesus, were known for making the yoke for oxen to pull a plow or to pull a load. When he says, my yoke is easy, he doesn't mean there's nothing to do. He doesn't mean there isn't any labor. He doesn't mean there isn't any effort. He means, when he says easy, my yoke fits. And the text is so strong that it says, my yoke is easy, it means it fit. And it fit the oxen so well that they could pull efficiently with strength and never get chafed. And Jesus has the nerve to say, it is entirely possible that when you follow me, what I'm going to give you fits so well in the midst of the bustle and the hassle and the tension that you have in your job the task that I'm going to give to you that is so much higher is going to fit so well, it'll be like someone having to say, be still. We say that sometimes. Oh, if we're crude, we say, shut up. Well, how about calm down? Or you need to 
quiet down, chill, give it a rest. Today, ironically, when you discuss a job, sometimes we don't want to talk about whether or not it's productive. We want to find out how much we can get paid and still not do very much. How did I learn that? Well, employers tell me this. Do I need to remind you that work's hard? It's going to take effort, and it's going to take strength, and you're going to get worn out. And the thing that's going to help you is if you have a tool or tools to help you do the job well. I may not be the best preacher in the world, but I can guarantee you something. When I get ready to come and preach, I'm ready. Not one of these things, well, I just had the Holy Spirit help me last night. No, I'm not going to blame the Holy Spirit on my inept lack of preparation. Now, he can fill in the blanks and does routinely, but it doesn't mean I won't prepare. That's the kind of an attitude we need to have, and I can tell you I work a lot better if somebody's not looking over my shoulder suggesting things that I should do. You a micromanager? Quit it. Your employee will work a lot better. Oh, I have more. Ready? No, you're not. You're going to do the job a whole lot better if you'll quit your whining about it. Instead say, God, thank you, I got a job. There's some things about my job I don't like. Really? Welcome to life. I have had ministers say, Neil, there's some things about ministry I don't like. Really? Welcome to ministry. Works hard. But I also want you to know that while quiet is one of the ambitions that I want to have, loud isn't necessarily exciting. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Most of the time, the opposite of quiet is loud. Some parents are loud all the time. And as a result of being loud all the time, the, parent, the parents can't figure out why the kids won't listen. In the process, when a parent really talks quietly, when they're the most upset, it will really make the children nervous because their strength. Nobody likes to be yelled at, and probably your yelling should be reserved when there's an emergency. If it's life-threatening, you probably should yell. I discover that the Apostle Paul wanted people in their life and in their work to be free from anything in that work that would cause disorder, that would cause chaos. And that whole attitude was to be shaped by something and he would identify it like this. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. We're always looking for thrills, and people look for them in weird ways. Alcohol, drugs, sex, some kind of weird stuff that they want to try to do it, even sin. You know that this restlessness of constantly seeking some kind of a thrill is a mark? Let me show you what it's a mark of. You aren't going to like it, but that's okay. 
The wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud, and there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. This restlessness that we have is probably a signal that we're going in the wrong direction. Have you ever had God yell at you? No? I, now, theologically, let me give this to you, because it was a loud voice on Sinai, and the people heard it, and they got real nervous. God can yell. But let me tell you how he speaks most often. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the thunder. It's not in the storm. It's in a, yes, whisper. Whisper. And sometimes when you and I are in the middle of the greatest tension and the most frustration in entire life, we wonder how come we can't hear God and we won't be still long enough to hear his whisper. Point two, don't get nervous. That was the longest one. I love this point. Make sure you mind your own business. <laughs> Yes, he does say that. Paul's talking about mind your own business, work with your hands, just as we told you. Man has always worked. When Adam and Eve were given the garden, they went to work. They were working in the garden. Well, Neil, what happened when sin came? Well, I can tell you. They were working already. What sin did was make work miserable. Now you got to deal with weeds. You go check it out. That's a whole other message, probably. In our day and age, our work's done in a variety of ways. Some of it's physical, some of it's mental, some of it's highly emotional. And we get worn doing it because of those demands. And what we'd really like to have is something that's a little different, giving us some variety and maybe even some creativity. I have always had this opinion about jobs, and that is that if I work with people all day, the way I relax is with things. However, if you work with things all day, you've got something you're doing in the factory and assembling and routine that you do all the time, the way you relax is not with things, it's with people. And the irony is that if your, if your job doesn't give you the thrill that you'd like to have in your life, then you're going to take the money you earn from what you doesn't give you a thrill to spend it on something that does. Did you follow me on that one? If you're working for a job that doesn't give you a thrill, then you have to spend the money you earn from the job that doesn't give you a thrill to give you opportunity to spend their money on something at will. William James says, use your life and spend it for something that's going to outlast it. My oldest daughter, Jennifer, came home from grade school, said, Dad, Dad i got to interview you about your job. And I said, okay. So she asked me a bunch of questions, experience, and uh, whether I had an internship, and education, and, and all that kind of stuff. She got all done and said, I have one more question, and it's this. Dad, why do you do what you do? 
I said, nobody ever asked me that before. But I got an answer. I said, first of all, there's variety. There are never two days that are exactly alike, ever. I said, the second is that I don't know of another job that has eternal consequence. I have no idea what happened when she gave that report to the teacher. I know she got a good grade, but that was about it. Isn't that interesting? You ask a person what he does, and here's a bricklayer. He said, what are you doing? I'm laying bricks. You ask another one, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm making $35 an hour. He asked the third one, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a palace. See the difference? You're all doing the same job. When my grandmother wondered about what I was going to do with my life, she said, Neil, find something you would do if, if nobody paid you anything. And then go do it and find out if somebody will pay you enough to take care of your family. Pretty good advice. Work with your hands, Paul says. Then he also teaches about faithful working that will avoid confusion and trouble. Now, the lack of it will cause it. Look at this. Even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Yeah, they were busy. They were busy bodies thinking that while they had resigned from their job, somebody else ought to take care of them. And Paul had to give them instruction and correction, and instead of being busy, they were busy bodies. About anything. Doesn't make any difference. Stirring up trouble. Now, these were people who were perfectly capable of working. There are folks who are not capable of working. And I'll get to that in just a second as to how we should be responsible. And I'm going to mess with you, so you might as well just get ready for it. But the Christian attitude has always been, this is a tough one, has always been that a Christian should not just have a job to earn an income to spend it all on himself. But he ought to have somebody else in mind. I didn't make that up. Ephesians chapter 4, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. He must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those who are in need. It is that generous spirit that started hospitals and colleges and seminaries and orphanages in our country because people didn't think they should just consume it all themselves, but they were mindful of other people. They didn't decide they were going to do it by taxation. They were going to do it voluntarily because they wanted to have something to share with those in need. Finally, my job is my greatest opportunity for witness not just in ministry. I'm talking about any job. Look at this. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so you will not be dependent on 
anybody. I want you to know something, that unbelievers will ask questions about you, folks you work with. They'll want to know why you do some things the way you do them. They're going to watch to find out if... You ready? They're going to watch to see if you come late. They're going to watch to see if you leave early. They're going to watch to see if you have somebody else punch in for you on time when you're late. They're going to watch to see if you have somebody punch out for you when you have left early. They're going to watch. They're watching about how you behave and whether or not you're really going to be honest about the time you give for the time you're being paid, and they're watching to see if you can take orders from your supervisor. Because if you can't take orders from him, then maybe you are not going to be able to give them any kind of advice either. And let me also caution you, they're also going to watch to see if you're working with a total neglect of your spouse and your family. They're going to watch, and they're going to wonder why you behave the way you do. You see, if I'm not a faithful and reliable employee on my job, why would anybody I work with ask me about anything else that I believe when I'm not honest or reliable in my work? Why would they ask? They wouldn't care. They would see an inconsistency and may even use the word hypocrite. They're watching. Unbelieving people are watching. Now, I want you to know that uh, just because you are a Christian on the job will not automatically help that other person become a Christian, but it may open the door for a conversation that leads to that. Faithfulness. Unbelievers also have respect for you in your work, and they'll watch to see whether you have confidence and kindness in your work and the way you treat other people. Now, it does not mean, you ready? It does not mean you talk about your faith instead of your work. No. It means you demonstrate it while you work. And when the downtime comes and you're drinking coffee together, it may give you the opportunity then to have you ask or answer a question they have. The success that people have on the job is not necessarily producing failure in other people. The four-letter word for job is work. Did you know that's what is the word Jesus used to describe his ministry? Watch how many times he does that. And in case you're wondering, we're in our final approach. We're just about ready to touch down on the runway. Jesus passed by, and he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, look at this, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. 
I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day, the night's coming when no one can work. Can you imagine what would take place if I understood that my job was the place where God was going to reveal his works in mine? What would happen if my life began to think about the idea that if people would see me, they would understand that it wasn't all me. It was God working in me so that the works of God should be revealed in you. Are the works of God being revealed in your work? Are the works of God being revealed in my work? I want us all to ask the question, Will I commit myself to be his servant that allows his work to be seen in mine? Now then, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you may never have thought about how you're going to honor God in your work. And I wouldn't expect you would. But once you have dealt with who the Lord Jesus Christ is and accepted him as your Lord and your Savior... It changes everything that happens and takes place in your work, in your recreation, in your home, in your mouth, in your attitude. Because you're asking, are the works of God being seen in me? Because here's what happens. When he is my Lord, I'm not. When he is my Lord, I'm not. You have trouble with that? Yeah, I do. I got to remember I'm not in charge. Oh, how I want you to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ so that all of that can change and his works can be seen in you.